Eels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Regan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a De Beer. G'day and welcome to another episode of the Green and Gold Rugby Show, the podcast getting you over the game line on everything to do with Australian rugby. Um, tonight, we've got, I think, potentially a very, very full podcast. We might even be recording over a couple of different sessions. We'll see how this goes. Um, as always, uh, trusty, I was going to say trusty sidekick. I don't think you'd like that. Um, Hugh Cavill, how are you, mate? I, I'm not too bad, Matt. I think I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> I'm the Rob Simmons of this podcast, you know, like I'm just always there, you know, you, you can never seem to get rid of me. Always waiting for a knock on. Um, well, That's right. it's, it's, it's good to have you on, mate. But um, it's our great pleasure, actually, to have somebody on here uh, tonight who um, ha- actually probably knows what they're talking about. Uh, Richard Toombs. Toombsy, how are you, mate? Mate, I'm good. Thank you, Matt. It's, nice, it's Tom's, nice isn't it, Matt? Can I, can, I, can I get that oh, straight off the top? Thank you, Hugh. Oh, that okay. is awesome, you. I'm glad someone is <laughs> educated on this show. <laughs> yes. Hey, we've we've got something right on this show at last. Um, so okay, <laughs> it took a sec to two goes, but we're there. Okay, yeah. Well, mate, yeah. Thank. Well, thanks for joining us. Um, for, for those who don't know, um, Richard played for both the Waratahs um and the Wallabies. Um, so there you go. There's a whole bunch more accomplishments that have happened in this podcast. Um, uh, already. Pleasure. It's a pleasure being a part of it, mate. So, um, look, we've got our usual format here tonight. So we've got the um, uh, we've got our five questions, um, which we're going to rattle through. So just go. I'll go through these quickly, and then we'll we'll go back to them. So number one, the Japan victory um, was that the match of the World Cup? Number two, how would you rate the Wallabies' pool performances out of ten? Number three, how confident are you about the quarterfinal? Number four, what do we need to do to beat England? Number five, what other quarterfinal are you looking forward to? Is there another quarterfinal? Um, so let's let's kick this one off. Um, and uh, Rich, I'll go to you first, mate. That Japan victory was it the match of the World Cup so far? Well, mate, it seems like every match of Japan Japan playing is a match of the <laughs> tournament. To be honest. That's true. Um, you know, uh, admittedly, their their first match of the tournament against, uh, I think it was Russia from memory. That's, um, you know, I, I didn't I didn't know which way that would go, but but uh, they set it up nicely. That Japan got a comfortable win, but then they went on and knocked off knocked off Ireland, and um, that was well above expectation. And but I must say, their 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 match last night was awesome. You know, they're mm-hmm. like little pocket rockets that just keep popping up and keep keep battling that batting the battering and lying either in defense and attack and the and the tries they scored were were, were quite spectacular and, and really worked well worked moved and uh, it could have like the envy of quite a few other sides in the tournament tournament um the tries they scored so yeah um look certainly Certainly, the crowd and and as far as what they've been through recently with the tsunami hitting um, Japan, that's just what they needed. And Japan was uh, that victory, and and they did it. They did it with class. 
Yeah, well, you're quite right. You can you can forget the other victory they had. I mean, you'd have to say that knocking off what was where was Ireland ranked in the top? I don't know, two or three of the world at the time, weren't they? Yeah. So for them to be taking those guys down, you you almost forget now what you know what they've done in this pool. It's it's quite unbelievable, isn't it? Uh, Hugh, what about you, mate? What, what, what would you put as the uh, top match so far? Oh yeah, it has to be that. I mean, it was just a fantastic game of, of, of running rugby. And I've got to say, I mean, as, uh, uh, we can talk about some of the Japanese players in, in a minute, and this is certainly not to diminish them or even the Scottish team, who I thought, you know, really um, played pretty well as well. But Ben O'Keefe refereed it really well. And I think one of the reasons why it was such an enjoyable game is it felt like it was free of many of the um, the snags that have hit a lot of other games in terms of cards and stoppages and TMOs and all this sort of thing. Um, mm. You know, Ben O'Keefe refereed a, a, a really good game. Well, I think we've been critical of him in the past, but um, certainly, um, certainly, you know, came good. And, and Japan have just, just absolutely, you know, I mean, I'd say they've shocked the world, but Matt, I'm sure you recall quite clearly that I tipped them to be the surprise packet of the tournament, um, and I'm sure you were about to remind people of that. But um, oh, was you beat me not, to it, let's mate? Let's not let's not dwell on the past. Um, but you know, they're playing a game that I wish the Wallabies would play. They're they're, they're playing a fast game, skillful game, plenty of offloads. I think uh, their five eight Tamura um, is is just the linchpin of, of, of that attack. Um, and they've got some some live wires in the backs. Matsushima um, is is a is a real gun of a, of a player. Uh, Fukuoka, I think, was the one that scored that uh, that other try. Uh, he's fantastic. And then you know the guys like Michael Michael Leach in the forward pack, uh, Shota Horie, which you know we've seen him play for the Rebels over the years. And and you know they just yeah they've been absolutely fantastic in front of the big home crowd. And and I thought after Scotland scored that early try. It might be really hard work for for Japan, but they, geez, uh, t- then they got it to 28-7, and and the game was pretty much done. So um, Scotland came back admirably, but uh, yeah, I'm so happy they got through, and it's such a great shot on the arm for a tournament that that up until now has been dogged by you know referees and and weather cancellations and, and various other things, but it's now nice to have that that positive story back in back in the, the World Cup. Yeah, well, look, there's there's quite a bit to talk about in there. I mean. I thought, I mean, what was one of the things that really stuck out, and I must admit I only saw the first half last night, but um, was just the the pace and and, and having some um, outside back or some wingers uh, more specifically with real gas was just a delight to see. I guess we've got used to sort of pretty big players who, you know, are still fast, but they don't quite have that sort of um, electric zip and seeing Cheslin Colby from um, South Africa and then the, the two Japanese wingers I thought last night also had that where they were able just to beat men with with absolute pace um, was was really um, refreshing to see. Um, the one thing I'd ask and um, Rich maybe you can help me with this one. I've been reflecting like you were just saying there, Hugh, that oh yeah, wouldn't it be great to see the Wallabies play like that? But I by my reckoning, they were playing a very similar game plan to the Wallabies. It was very much ball in hand, uh, a lot of phase, trying to use a lot of width. What's the difference between what we've seen Japan do, and that's kind of electrified everybody, and what we've seen the Wallabies try to do, Rich? What's what's your opinion on that? Um, I think the I think the Japanese know their physical limitations. Um, mm. And they're not trying to use brute force to 
to drive the ball as far as they can and then go to ground with it. Um, they seem to, I think they're, they're playing a, a, like a hit and run, a hit and run. They're, they're, they're hitting the line and then they're recoiling and then they're, too, then they're clear, the players are coming and clearing out and the ball gets recycled quickly and then they'll move it quickly. Um, and so therefore the ball is always fluent. Whereas, whereas the Wallabies are tending to um, rely on their physical strength. So they, they hit the line and then they want to keep, keep driving and keep driving. Mm. And more often than not, the ball gets tied up and, and they can't clear out the player off the ball and the ball gets slowed down and it's stodgy and it, and it takes a lot to get the ball out of the rucks. And um, I think it's just that hit, hit and recycle. Hit and recycle is a Japanese method. And they actually had a plan last night when they played against Scotland. They, they sort of kept hitting the short side and, and flooding it with players and using their, their hands and their, 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 their sleight of hands to, to move the ball through and releasing the winger so they had some room to move. Mm. Whereas we don't, we don't seem to be, we seem to be bereft of, of an actual plan, a strategy about <laughs> how we will play the opposition. And, yes. Um, and so, therefore, you know, it leaves it uh, a bit hit and miss as to where we're going to attack, how we're going to attack. But they rely on brute strength to think that they can, you know, get get over the advantage like and recycle the ball quickly, don't they? And they're not proven to do that too successfully. No, they they do seem to be um, far more rapier like. Hugh, does that ring true with you? I guess my observation was that they. You know, broadly speaking, they're both playing ball in hand styles. Just well, you know, ball in hand, I guess, strategies. It just seems that Japan are executing so much better. Yeah, they are, and I think yeah, Richard said it right about that that short side strategy. You could you could see it was really clear um, in the way that they were trying to take, especially down that left hand side. Um, and I think yeah, that there was a clear effort there. The other thing I was really impressed by was their ball movement around the point of contact. What we see with the Wallabies, especially with their forward runners, is is they'll come in flat to the line, and and more often than not, it's it's really head down, leg drive, and try and get to ground. Whereas what the Japanese were doing, um, yes, you know, while there was a bit of that, but there was also um, you know the forwards throwing throwing little little pop passes, little inside balls, or staying on their feet and looking to throw the offload. And and that offloading um, element was was present, I think, in their what was their third try, maybe their their second or third try. And it was a fantastic effort. Um, that was I think three or four offloads back to back that resulted in a try. And yeah. it's an element of the the, the Wallabies that's, game. That's with that's, their front rower. That's with yeah. their front rower yes. going down under the post. Yeah. I think that was and, the first try ever. I would have thought. Mm. It's just a part of the Wallabies game that that we haven't seen, um, and you know we know it's it's been there in the past, but obviously it can be a bit risky. But we, we've certainly um, you know dying with the ball a lot more than 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 what the Japanese were uh, a few nights ago. Yeah, well, what you're also seeing though with the Japanese, I think, is like the, you know they're they're in numbers and support, and that try we're just talking about that the the prop ended up scoring. I mean, I think it was like uh, two or three forwards that had that interchange between them, and those 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 little sort of offloads. Um, and uh, you know that's when teams are really. I think that's when teams are really really fit. There was a really good article actually 
uh, I think it was in the SMH last weekend where they were just talking about the prep that Japan's been putting in for this World Cup and it's been running something like six uh, training sessions a day for like, you know, seven-week stretches with the full squad. Um, obviously, that's quite amazing to be able to have that amount of time uh, with the players, but you can really see that paying off and um, and the, the fact that they're able to sustain this ball-in-hand uh, sort of you know, way of playing throughout, you know, for a full 80 minutes is, is, is quite remarkable as well. Um, but you know, that, 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 that is where, that is where you do, do, um, that is what makes a difference. though in mm. the, in the forward play is those little interactions, those little offloads, because they just get you those yardage over the advantage line. And, and the more you offload, the, the more likely you are to, to penetrate and crack the opposition. And yep. Japan showed that again last night. Yeah, no, and it's it's soaking up the defence at the same time. The, the one thing, Hugh, you said earlier on, and I know no one, we don't want to turn this into a uh, like a world rugby ref interpretation whinge, but there was an interesting um, moment when, um, who was, it was, was it one of the Grey brothers, the second rower, um, tried to pull off a tackle on Shotahori and he ends up, um, you know, there ends up being a head clash, but in the same tackle or in the same movement, he ends up basically co-hanging um, Shotahori as well. And now everyone, I think all the viewers, we all breathed a sigh of relief when there wasn't a yellow card and, and whatever else, but I really struggled in all the interpretations we've seen throughout this tournament to understand why, that wouldn't be, you know, why that wasn't a high tackle with an arm around the neck potentially heading towards something more serious. Um, was it was it just me here? Uh, look, I think the initial contact was a head clash, and then from there the both players kind of fell down, and in that process there was an arm that made contact with a head. But they were both starting really low as well, so that that was the other thing too. I think the the player sort of fell into the tackle as the defender did as well. So oh, I think although, that was. Although we know starting low doesn't mean anything now. Did you see the well, that's uh, right. you know, the, the yellow the yellow card that the Samoan copped when he he was literally bent over at the waist, attempting. Yeah. Then that was the most. I don't I don't know where rugby goes if that's if that's a problem. Yeah, and look, but I thought it was it was good common sense refereeing from from O'Keefe. Maybe he's getting admonished about that behind the scenes, but um, mm. yeah, the offside line wasn't there. But I mean, that's been the same for every game this tournament. So I mean, that's if you're a, a coach, you know, watching watching the the tournament so far, I think you'd certainly say be be pushing that offside line as if if you can, because it just seems like the teams that do that tend to be rewarded uh, more than punished. Yeah, Rich, where have, where have you been with all this ref who are and interpretation who are? Oh, I think O'Keefe did the right thing last night. He he mm. saw the incident. He, he had the he had the TMO, you know, reporting how he saw it, which which I think was indicating towards at least a penalty and and maybe even more. Um, but O'Keefe saw it and said, "No, I'm I'm happy with how I see it, and and I'll, I'm quite happy to just say, you know, it was a head clash, and we'll go and have a scrum back there." Whereas in all previous matches, it seems like oh oh sorry oh sorry TMO you say you say it was a, a tackle around the head tacking the head oh yeah I have to agree with that yeah we'll take pull out the yellow card yeah um, yeah so 
I'd like to think, as we were, and I sort of thought this early in the tournament, that by the time we get quarterfinals, I'll start to iron this out. And uh, mm. hopefully O'Keefe was, a, you know, was the start of that happening. Yeah, no, he, he seemed to be very dead set on actually not taking it to a, a card or even yeah. a penalty, which by all, by all and, and look, hey, I think we're all agreeing here that it was nice not to see it. But with what we'd seen earlier on in the tournament, um, it's, it's hard to reconcile the two. Anyway, let's move on. That's we, <laughs> That was just question one. So uh, question two, um, how would you rate the Wallabies' pool performances out of 10? I, and I don't know if we're going for one. I, I guess let's just go for one big number. Let's not give each performance one because that might be a, a bit of a grind, I think. Hugh, if you were to put it all into a number, what would it be and why? Well, it, it's probably... It's it's a um it's a five out of ten, probably just scraped a five. I mean, look, we've come off since our last podcast. We've had the Georgia and the Uruguay games, um, and it's fair to say that both probably were on the slightly disappointing side. I thought we played okay against Uruguay. Um, it wasn't really a game where where much could you know you could really learn a whole lot. And I think Uruguay played quite well. The Georgia game, look, it, it, it was grind, grinding sort of conditions, driving rain. Um, it was wet. The Georgians were physical. It, it, you know, it, it was never going to be a, a beautiful game, but I think it's fair to say, especially in that second half, we, we really struggled to put them away. And, you know, they were within, a, I think, a try at a, at a fairly late stage of the game, which is probably not what you want in those minnow games. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think... We did what we did what we had to do. We 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 won those games, and you know we we didn't really lose anyone to injury. Curtly Beals nursing a concussion, um, but it's fair to say that uh, you, there hasn't been many signs of improvement. We still don't know who our best ten is. There are you know some question marks hanging around a couple of our players, especially in the backs. Um, so I don't know. I, I think i'm I'm less confident now than I was at the start of the tournament, so that's that's probably not not a good thing. And now we've we're coming up against England who who um are a bit of an unknown commodity in the sense that that we haven't seen them for a couple of weeks. So um, I, I don't know. I think it's a, it's a five out of ten. we We scraped through the pools as as much as you can, and um I don't know, it hasn't filled anyone with confidence. Yeah, Rich, how are you feeling? Well, I don't think you know. Um... I don't think anything has changed from our previous three or four years um, in leading up to the World Cup, mm. uh, apart from one performance against the All Blacks in Perth. Uh, our performance has been substandard, and um, I'd, I'd give us a, a three out of ten. And mm. um, uh, that's, uh, that's basically how we've played for the last few years, and, and that's how we've played at the World Cup. Yeah. Um, you were talking about how, you know, Japan had, has had a very, very, have had very, very clear game plans and very, very clear strategies and you could see them executing it. Um, I think in talking about these pool games, we can't ignore, obviously we're not just talking about the minnow games, we're also talking about the big one that we absolutely had to win, which had to be Wales, um, because otherwise, well, we now see what the pool draw is like, and it's you've got to say for almost any team, it's nigh on impossible um, trying to go down this path. Um, you know, I was interested in your comment earlier on, Rich, about you know those game plans and the lack of one from the Wallabies. I mean, did you could you discern anything that looked like they'd actually thought about playing Wales specifically in that match and tried to execute something to that? Uh, to be honest, no. 
No. Um, uh, I, I think I think Michael Check has made it pretty clear that he doesn't watch opposition. He doesn't really plan for opposition, and um, <laughs> and that's what came through in the Welsh game. The Welsh came to play against the Wallabies. They executed against the Wallabies, and they beat the Wallabies. Um, mm. And and the, the, to think that you're at that level and you're not planning to play against the opposition that you're playing against that weekend is naive and uh, uh, you know, fraught with fraught with danger and, and as it's shown for the last number of years. So, well, I was going to ask you as somebody who's actually played international rugby, um, you know, I, was, I mean, I was you know just to elaborate on that a little bit, so. You know, is it possible to have this checker philosophy, which is there's one brand of footy you need to play no matter rain, hail, shine, no matter who you're playing against, and that can get you through? I mean, it, I mean, you just said yourself there, naive. I mean, I mean, it, it, to, to, to the outsider, it looks like at international level, you've got to have a few different ways of doing things. Is, is, is that, you know, do you, you seem to agree? Yeah, look... You said that the you, know, you thought, think the Jap- Japanese and the Wallabies play have been playing a similar brand, and they have to an extent. But you look at last night, they scored two of their tries from kickthroughs. Mm. Um, we don't do that. We don't. You know, I don't know if they're, they're not allowed to kick, or, or, or that's a game plan. Is that we just keep running at them, and um, you keep running at them, you just keep running into a brick wall, Georgia. For one, we were able to you know stop that, stop the whole attack line because well they didn't have to set a second line of defence they didn't have to set a sweep or anything like that mm. they just have to set up a brick wall and and say so just keep running into us and that's what the Wallabies kept on doing yeah um, uh, you know Michael Checker played in a very successful Randwick team and Randwick era in which that's probably that's all they did that's all they had to do um, but. You know, to think it works at this level is just ridiculous. All right. So I think I'm getting an idea then how we're going in for number three. Um, how confident are you about the quarterfinal, Hugh? Um, look, I, I said it before the start of the tournament amongst um, a number of my other fantastic predictions, um, including that Ireland would lose in the quarterfinal, which also looks like it's it might be coming to fruition, that... Australia would make the semi-final because we had one game in us, you know, whether that was against Wales in the pool game or against England in the quarter-final. I'm starting to doubt that that prediction is correct. Um, I think we're, we're, you know, we, we should embrace the underdog spirit, you know, and, and Checkers, no doubt, putting the siege mentality, you know, in the camp, building those walls up. Um, but, you know, we've lost our last six games against the Poms, and... And, you know, albeit we haven't played them on home soil since that 2016 series. So it's, you know, been a long time since we've played them on neutral ground. But um, it's still, um, you know, we're going to be really having to bring out our best for for that game. And and I'm not sure it's there. So, look, it's fair to say I'm not confident at all. I think we're, we're, uh, you know, we're a long shot with the bookies and, uh, and rightfully so. Um, it's yeah. It's hopefully we've got a we've got a conversation um, with the egg chasers for tomorrow night, Matt, and uh, we might have to fire up then and and and, and puff our chests out a bit and start talking some big game because, uh, um, mate, yeah, we, we're going to need some sort of inspiration, aren't we? 
We are indeed. Well, look, I'm just, just before I come go to Rich about this in a sec, um, I'm going to see if I can give a bit of some, I don't know, throw out some stats there. So Russ Petty, um, who is at rpetty80 um, on Twitter, has always got a, a few good stats flying around. So here's one to maybe make us feel slightly better, um, which is that the pool winner um, has won, um, has only won six out of 12 Rugby World Cup quarterfinals since 2007. So it's basically 50-50. So what we're saying, obviously not as the as we're not the pool winners, um, then we've got if you go by just historical stats since 2007, we've got a, a sort of a 50-50 chance to balance that one out. In the five out of the last seven matches between England and Australia since 2016, England has scored more than 30 points. Uh, which is quite an unsettling uh, fact. Um, what do you make of those stats, Rich, and how does it make you feel about the quarterfinal coming up? Well, see, this is where the typhoon is probably playing, going, going to play uh, tricks with your stats. I actually predicted that France would beat England mm-hmm. and France would have topped the pool and that we would possibly give France a bit more of a run. Um, and so therefore, England would have come second and therefore still have a good show at going through and winning the World Cup, mm-hmm. winning their, you know, going through the semis, topping you know, being second in their pool. Um, look, looking at this weekend, I just, I mean, yes, we've got one good match in us. I don't know if our best is good enough to beat the Poms. Look, if we had a settled side and we could say, oh, well, you know, our 9-10 combination is working well together and, and, and you know, and uh, marshalling around the park, uh, you go, well, you know, we, we have got that good back in us. But we haven't got a 9-10 and 10 with confidence enough to be a, a, a confident 9-10 and 10 to marshal us around the park. Mm-hmm. Um they they'll be they'll be mixed with do I do do I play to my instincts and and play some field position or do I play what I need to play which is keep the ball in hand so as, so as I keep my position maybe in the following week should we make the semi-finals I don't know um, so I, I just think England is just too well well polished at the moment to for us to trouble them unfortunately yeah so I'm I'm taking very very low. Uh, confidence levels um, from both of you guys there. So let me take you to, to, to question number four. Um, so imagine uh, you guys were the coach. It's not checker, um, and you can decide what it is what, that we're going to need that we're going to do um, to come this weekend. And just imagine for a minute that we might actually be able to do it. Um, so the question is, what do we need to do to beat um, England? I'll maybe stay with you there, Rich. How, how would you how would you go about it, mate, to give us our best chance? I think we'd have to take we're going to take whatever points we can get get them in get up early. Yeah. Um, and so if we if we get in kicking range, take the early points. Uh, not not necessarily play for field position or foot play for the corner and hope to drive them over. Even 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 sort of in reflecting now in our pool games, we um, I was worried before our first pool game against Fiji that Fiji could knock us off 
and and reflecting on that, we beat them by 14 or 17 points, but it was two pushover ball tries which sort of gave us a buffer, mm. which wouldn't happen against a tier one country, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got two relatively easy try against CG doing that, whereas we'd maybe get one in eight of those against England. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I definitely think we have to take those early points, get early points, and try and keep pressure on uh, England with with field position and, and just play field position and trust our defence. So, so pretty much the opposite of what we're going to be able to take there. Um, and so, and Hugh, what about you, mate? Yeah, look, I, I think I'd, I'd love to get us a, a little bit of early luck, you know, whether that's a, a, a spilled ball or a turnover or an intercept or something, but, you know, something to get us in the game. I think that, uh, you know, our first half has truly been our weakness this tournament. And, it, it, you know, I'd like to see the, the one thing I think that I'd like us to employ a little more, and I know we're a ball-in-hand team, but but one of the things, the hallmarks of the performance when we beat England in 2015 at the World Cup there was was a smart kicking game. And I feel like we've lost that, and whether that's Christian Lealofano um, or perhaps Matt Tamur, whoever's starting at 10, but also, you know, James O'Connor, who can kick a little bit, and whether it's Dane Haylett petty at the back um, or Kurtley Beale, Utilising those guys, Nick White as well, and and to really see if we can we can play a bit of territory. We've got a pretty good line out uh, at this cup and a pretty good set piece. So I'd like to see us just be a little bit smarter uh, with those with those kicks in behind. And even I'll settle for just some evidence of a game plan in the first half an hour. You know, some evidence that we're we're thinking about the game and we're trying something and and we've got a strategy that we're trying to employ because um, at the moment it's just sort of been the same sort of stuff on on, on a different day. So um, if it's that again, I suspect we're probably are going to go down. But who knows? They, they they might be playing a bit coy. They might have some strategies up their sleeve. Uh, we'll find out soon. Yeah, look, I, I think if we play an hour and a half, we're going to get spanked. It's going to be another 30-plus um, because England are the masters of just, you know, turning the screw and putting the pressure on. They're going to rain bombs all day. They're going to be absolutely um, turning our, you know, our, our attack around. And so I think it's quite it's quite almost sort of like the opposite is that if we don't find a way of playing smart, a smart um, and playing down their end, I think we're just gonna, you know, if we have a wasteful, if we have a wasteful kicking game, which is just giving it back to their back three are deadly in it with their pace. Um, I think they'll cut us to ribbons as well. So if the kicking game isn't well executed, then it's actually probably almost as dangerous. Literally have to be raining balls into their 22 with a really good chase and and you know some well directed things with the corners. And I agree with you, Hugh. Probably a lifeline is something which we haven't necessarily got as much pay out of that I thought we should have. We've had, I think we've had pretty much scrum dominance in every, almost every match we've played in so far in, 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 in this in this pool. And I know they're not all, I mean, you know, um, you know, there's only one tier one nation in there, but I mean, Georgia's got a good scrum. And I thought by my reading of it, we gave them a, um, a, a pretty tough time actually. And it's it's been very solid and it was also solid against, you know, in, in the... Um, in the whatever they are, four nations now. So that and the line out is probably a lifeline. It's just whether we can actually, you know, play that smart footy, which you've got to against England. Otherwise, they're, they're going to sit there. They would love nothing more than to have 30% 
um, possession. But when it is, it's, you know, but they're just watching us run at them in our half. And um, if they do, if if we do that, that is exactly what will fall apart. Um, uh, I, tend to, I think we all tend to agree, basically, that we, we're going to have to play field position. Mm-hmm. We're going to put, we're gonna have to turn around, get them down in their end of the park and keep them there. And, uh, and that's where we might milk a few penalties and we'll get some points on the board. And uh, if we're down that end of the park, that's when we can score some tries where we haven't been able to score tries from 40, 50 metres out. We haven't been able to create tries. But uh, if we can get in there, in there 22, uh, that's when we can, we can possibly steal a couple of tries. Okay. And then finally, look, so this, this uh, podcast has taken a... <laughs> <laughs> hasn't taken a, a, a um, upbeat turn as we've been focused on the Wallabies. So let's maybe spread it a little bit. So what other quarterfinal are you looking forward to and why, Hugh? Well, I'll, I'll start. I mean, it's a it's an absolutely um, scintillating slate of games, I've got to say. Um, but the, the one, obviously, for me is New Zealand Ireland. Um, that, you know, is, is just got absolute blockbuster written all over it and and you know the all backs you'd say are favorite at this point but um they're gonna play three of the world's best teams uh in order to win that cup they're gonna really have to earn it this time and you know where previously they've got a soft quarter final maybe in the past they're not getting that this year they've got you know they're gonna have to beat ireland and then into either england or australia and then likely south africa in the final so they're gonna have to earn it and Ireland have knocked them off a couple of times in the past few years. So there's certainly the uh, bit of confidence there for Ireland to draw on. However, you just can't see them losing to Japan and then beating the All Blacks in a couple of games' time. But, you know, it's it's a strange World Cup. And if there's an early card or there's a bit of momentum going Ireland's way, uh, then, then who knows? I mean, obviously New Zealand would be strong favourites. But um, I think uh, it's fair to say that um, Ireland are going to try and drag them down, make it a grind and uh, see if they can coax the All Blacks into making a few little errors. Um, and that one is going to be the, the game I'm really looking forward to. Well, you know one thing's for sure is Ireland would have been doing their homework and um, they'll have they'll have a very, very well-worked-through game plan. They'll be aiming, although maybe they hadn't been expecting the All Blacks, but um, I'm sure they'll have some plans that they'll be, they'll be pulling out of their pockets. Well, they'll Rich- have plans for the quarterfinal. I mean, the semifinals where it'll get tough because obviously they've never been to one and then you know we'll be completely out of, <laughs> out of their depth. Uh, so, but that's, that's not going to happen. Game plan is to get on the plane. Um, Rich, what about you, mate? Which one are you looking forward to? I oh, look the uh, uh, same as what the same as um, what he was saying that New Zealand Ireland that's going to be a cracker. Ireland, Ireland have beaten them two times out of the last three times they've played them. They've got you know most of the players on the pitch have played New Zealand and and know how to beat them. So that's going to play a lot in their psyche. Um, you talk about Ireland, you know Australian Wallabies having one good match in them. Well, Ireland are due for that match. They mm. they came into the tournament number number one, number two in the world, and um, this is where they have to stand up and actually show that they were they deserved that that rating. Um, and and look, I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, New Zealand. If you know, if you take out Bowden Barrett, they come back to the field quite alarmingly. You know. Mm. Uh, come right back into the field and, and nestle in there. So, Bowden Barrett's a key in that match, and 
no one's been able to tame him yet. Maybe Ireland know how to do it. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, they've got um, some damn good players there, and Sexton's a, a canny operator. Um, if someone yeah. can control a match, um, he's the man who can do it. So, you know, maybe he's, maybe they'll just, you know, it's like Wales did against us, where they had that brilliant kickoff play organised just to get three points on the board. And I can really see Ireland, um, you know, looking to um, go and, and 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 you know figure out how they kind of get a bunch of those. Um, get a bunch of points on the board and, and get it going and start putting that, that scoreboard pressure on. Look, an, another one that I'll be interested in is um, actually France versus Wales. So uh, I've got a soft spot from the French. I was lucky enough to be um, at the 99 semi-final where the French uh, uh, beat uh, the, the the All Blacks um, at Twickenham. Um, and, you know, you were talking earlier on, Rich, about how it's beautiful when Fords can offload um, in between them and, um, and and cause havoc. I don't think there's any team in in, in, in world rugby that can, um, you know, pick those up like, um, you know, can, can do that like, uh, like France can. Um, and they've just got that interplay. And in their earlier games in this World Cup, we saw them sort of doing that. And I think that would be absolutely um, fantastic if, uh, you know, if they can get stuck back into that. And it could be really interesting. I think a lot of people are expecting Wales to go a long way. Um, but um, I'd be really interested to see if France could. And who knows what France can do, even in their most seemingly disorganised state um, when they kind of work like this. So I think that could be fascinating. I agree with you. They did early on in the tournament. They did have that interchange going amongst the forwards and amongst the bats. And I thought, wow, it is a French side of old. So, so um, who knows? You, you, you're dead right. They, they could be, and that's that's again why I thought that they would probably give the English a, a good run in there in that match also. But uh, well, we missed out on that one. No, indeed, because that would have been um, absolutely cracking uh, to see those two uh, teams um, come up against each other. Um, all righty, guys. Well, look, I, I think that's what, that's that's pretty much all, all we've um, got in for tonight. Um, uh, Rich, thanks very much for coming on. My pleasure. No, thanks for having me, Matt. No, and, and was there any other? I mean, have you been enjoying this World Cup? I mean, has it has it been shaping up versus the you know all the oh, ones look, you've watched? Um, I, I think, like a lot like everyone else, it's um, been very frustrating. The, the the timing of the implementation of the of the um, of the new new rules of, of contacting the head. Um, I think that that's been unfortunate. It's it's been a, put a blight on a few matches as far as the length of time it's taken to play the matches. Mm. But apart from that, there's been some cracking matches also, and 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 and. When you mentioned about the Japan Scotland match being the play, match of the tournament, I think uh, I find it hard to go past the All Blacks South Africa match, mm-hmm. uh, the second match of the tournament. That that was a cracker, and that um, I think will will be the um, I think that'll be the final come uh, uh, November second. That um, those two teams will be pretty close, pushing the, those two positions up there. No, in, indeed, and there's been some uh, fascinating clashes amongst the, the, the minnows as well. Actually, yes. 
we were just talking about, you know, Russ Petty earlier on, and he, he comes out with some great stats. Actually, he shared one that came from someone else. Let me just kind of go back and find it here. But it was just talking about the minnows. Um, yeah, this is from um, a, a Twitter account called Tier 2 Rugby. And um, they were talking about it's – it's got a chart here. I've got a tweet where they, they kind of post all the Tier 2 points for and against versus Tier 1 at Rugby World Cups. Um, and it's so it's it's got those throughout, and what you can see is the the points for has barely changed, and in fact in this World Cup it's lower than the last one. But what's dropped dramatically, and it has in every World Cup, is the points that they're giving up. So they're not necessarily scoring more points, but they're making it a lot harder. And I think we've seen that in all those, you know, especially in the first halves of these matches, even geez, even the All Blacks versus Namibia. I mean, that was amazing. Um, and um, you know they're, they're just these tier two nations can can defend um, like they, like they didn't but like they didn't before, um, and that's been fantastic to see. Um, and and then Hugh, finally, mate, have have you been finding it? Are you still still enjoying it? Yeah, look, I I, I am, uh, and you know you, you we're about to enter the business end of it, and you raised that point about the tier two nations. I think that's that's really correct, and and I suppose the stuff I've been impressed with is, is in if in essence I know that account is referring to them as a, as a quantum, but the, what I would call the tier three nations and their performance, you know, it's not so much, I think last world cup, it was the story of those second tier nations, like your Fiji's, uh, like your Japan's and the, the teams that have been around for a long time, but, but, you know, we were always about to make that step up. Georgia was another one. Whereas in this world cup, I think it's been the teams like Uruguay and Namibia um, that have been the ones that have been really impressive to me. They're the ones that traditionally have had, you know, 100-plus scores put on them, and it was just a case of turning up and hoping nobody got injured. Rush is another one, actually, similar. Um, and now that they're, you know, they're, they're really starting to to get some, some momentum and, and they are far from a pushover. As we saw last night with Wales and Uruguay, I think it was 7-6 at half time. Um, and so, yep, you know, in the end, the result, I think, was, what, 35-6 maybe or 35-10. I can't remember exactly. But um, it's, it's you know, by no means a, a lay down Mazaire. And, and we're coming closer to the day where one of those teams gets up and really knocks off a big scalp. So um, that's been that's been the real highlight for me as much as – actually, the only disappointing thing has been the USA and Canada, especially kind of falling away. Those North American teams seemingly are the only ones to have taken a real step back. So I'm not sure why that's the case. No, that's that, indeed. Look, guys, um, we've taken uh, plenty of time tonight. Rich, great to have you on. Great to have you on. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. No worries, mate. And and Hugh, I will uh, speak to you soon. Fantastic. We'll do. Eels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Regan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes! Could you believe it? Larkham has Nabir Nabir!